1: everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.
0: Everything we've done since training camp is we want to earn the right to be a playoff team.
1: Christian love save! Mike Smith! A game saver! And he got run
0: over by be Cassian. you like one of those top teams, and we're working our way to that level. Connor McDavid danced around Morgan Riles.
1: Denied by Smith, who saves the game again, Josh. Archibald wins the game. My message today is we're trying to win. What timer score? We are Leon Dreissel, right circle. No risk, no gain. And now we're going to have a goalie
0: for action. This is NHL overtime. This is Ryan Eugen Hopkins. This is Officer. This is Leon Dreissel. This is Carmen Devin from your Edmonton Oilers. This is oil country. And this is Oilers Now with Bob Stauffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I. By tex.ca. Now, Bob Stoffer on the a- official radio station of your Edmonton Oilers, 6 30 Chad. Outside the humble Stoffer abode, once referred to by a uh, one-time 630 Ched co-worker, Dan Tenser, who's now running the draft for the Saskatoon Blades in the Western Hockey League as the palatial stuffer estate, same house I've had for the last uh, 19 years. Uh, this is Oilers Now. Hope you're having as uh, good of a Wednesday as you can. Indeed, how long? Is this going on? A little ace to open up today's show. Weather is now brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. Buy or lease your next office network printer from the Digitex.ca e-commerce store. Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office IT and supplies. Got a lot to get to. Uh, There's been a little bit of, I'll use the term, tracer fire coming out of the United States today about some prospective um start updates, perhaps, and maybe locations, and we're gonna get into that on uh Oilers Now the first half hour of the show. We will tell you that our regular three contributors to every Wednesday show, Brian Lawton from the NHL Network, David Staples from the Cult of Hockey, NHL insider John Shannon, who spent years working in the league office, they will all be joining us in the course of the next two hours. River Curry Resort Casino. It's currently closed. They're going to reopen when we reopen, and you can, uh, Reach us at any time on the River Cree Resort and Casino at 780-496-0063. You can also text us at Ashley Floors text line at 780-496-0063. Ashley Fine Floors ready for your kids' pregame warm-up. Uh, I'm at home. Brendan Escott is punching
1: the buttons back in the 630 Chad Studios. Hello, Brendan. How you doing? Oh, not too bad today. Bob was thrilled to catch game one in that 87 series last night. I thought it was super cool. We had Dave Brown on for that primer, and then there, there it was, that fight with Kelly Buckburn and and the Oilers storming did, on to win game one. Did he forget that he fought him in the interview it, yesterday? It seemed like he did, yeah. Yes. I <laughs> he just, took a lot of blows, though, right? we got to give him a little slack. Well, he delivered a lot more than
0: he took. Uh... I, I can, I remember I was in Clearwater watching it in the bar and I was thinking to myself, the hell is Buckberger doing? That's the toughest guy in the league that he just grabbed. But, uh, that was Kelly Buckberger for you. He had no fear and he wanted to will his way to the league and he did. And he played over a thousand games, uh, in the process in the National Hockey League and fought and punched way above his weight class. You know, part of the reason why he got drafted, right? Do you know the story about him and the Prince Albert Raiders? No, sir. The Prince Albert Raiders used to try to steal other teams' nets in the pregame warm-up. Guess which member of the Moose Jaw Warriors decided to do something about that? Kelly Buckberger. And he was not, um, you know, he was not. like. I mean, Kelly's a, a big guy. He's still in terrific shape. He's coaching the Tri-City Americans, which are run by Bob Torrey. They drafted, by the way, in the first round of the WHL Bantam draft, uh, Milan Dragos, Civic Sun. Milan is uh, an Edmonton-area product Uh, Played in the Western Hockey League in the late 80s, a real tough guy, uh, and uh, played at Acadia, won a national championship in the mid-1990s, and then Milan coached UBC, and he's been running a hockey academy out there. So there's a a little bit of uh, seven degrees of separation for you. But anyways, uh, Bucky, uh, Serge Lajoie's son, Mark Lajoie, played there this past season. Serge, former head coach at the University of Alberta as well, played for Bucky at tri cities I mean, Bucky made the most of what he had, and he played a long time. There were guys that were probably more gifted than Kelly that maybe only played three or 400 games in the NHL, but Kelly found a way to get it done. Of course he could skate, which helped, but he was fearless and he was a a relentless guy. And he, he, they had a tough stretch at the end of this season because they traded away all their players. And uh, we'll have more in the WHL draft coming up in about uh, 16 minutes time. In fact, at 1227, we, we get into NHL today for elite promotional marketing. So you watch the game, no signage, uh, I didn't think Kent Nielsen was hopping in that game. He got better as the series went on. So did Glenn Anderson. Um, Edmonton came out and physically matched the Flyers in that opening game. And you just saw at any time what Gretzky and Curry could coffee do. Uh, I mean, those guys, Brendan, those guys were lethal on the ice.
1: You know, fair to say, you know, Paul Coffey is one that uh, maybe I just wasn't aware enough of the impact that he had, which is going to sound silly to those listening to our show, but of course being from BC it was a little less prominent, but you know, watching him work especially in game 1 like you're saying, I mean, man, he was just electrifying and then you could see glimpses of that later into his career too, Bob. I was watching something else when he was playing with uh, with Detroit and he was still like, holy crap, this guy could really jump up there and contribute even at, you know, mid 30s 30s, so well he won the norris trophy with
0: detroit in the in the shortened year right 94 95 i think off the top of my head he had 58 points in like 45 or 46 games that season i think that was the year he did it if i'm wrong you can text me at seven eight zero 63 uh we'll throw it out there what was your biggest surprise what for those of you that watched the game last night what was your biggest surprise watching it was there anything that kind of caught your caught your eye um For you, Brendan, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Again, you didn't grow up with it. Uh, I did, as did many of our listeners who don't want to admit how old they now are, uh, because once you get to a certain point, you come to terms with the realization. The older you get, the more you realize, the less you know in life, and it's humbling, especially when you were know-it-all in your 20s. But was there something as you watched that game that kind of caught you off guard a bit?
1: It, it, it's it's interesting how this space out there is utilized, I think, because there's times when the game looks incredibly fast, and most of the time that's when Gretzky and Curry are rushing the puck up the ice together. Uh, but there's times where the game at that point looks so slow as well with the water skiing, and it's just, I think the more that I'm exposing myself to sort of that order, older style of hockey, the more that you can see the differences in how the game is played now and how much quicker the reactions have to be from these modern players, because it's not, just a couple guys on the ice closing that gap that quickly. It's everybody out there. Your third pair, D-men, is now, is now taking that kind of gap away. So to me, I mean, the stylistic contrast, Bob, is what really caught my eye. Maybe I'm thinking too much about it, but you're not, what do you think about that?
0: You're not at all, and I'll tell you why you're not thinking about it the wrong way, in my opinion. It, it, because the way the game was managed at that time, it negated talent. It wasn't about excellence. Uh, you know, the, the league... The league doesn't even like using the word parity. They like using the word competitive balance and uh, sometimes organizations are gifted better players. It's happened to Edmonton. It's happened to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And so when you watch the Oilers play the Flyers, and again, the Flyers, Poulin wasn't completely healthy. Kerr was not available. Uh, you know, he was a power forward, limited mobility, but he could, he had a great set of hands in And, You know, they had some flurries around the goal in that opening game where they didn't finish it off, and if Tim Kerr is on the ice, maybe the puck's in the net. But the way, the I mean, again, you could have called – 40 penalties between the two teams in that game, and they just didn't call it. Even and, and, Brendan, here's the thing. By the time Ken Hitchcock got to Dallas in the mid-1990s, you know, by the end of the 1990s, early 2000s, that's a lot as to how Dallas and New Jersey played. Like, New Jersey will talk about the fact that they were second in the goals in the league one year they still had Scott Stevens and Ken Danico who were difficult and hard to play against. They, you know, like the hits that Stevens laid on players like Paul Correa and Eric Lindros, you do that today and you, it's, it's an, it's a, it's a suspension, right? And it just shows you, we live in a different time today. No better illustration than what's going on right now. I mean, we're battling through something that we've never seen before. And, We have people with wide ranges of opinion and we like to hear the ranges of opinion. Uh, you know, there's, and I'll say this right now. I know, I know some older people and they don't like the shutdown because some of them are at the stage where in their mind, they might only have eight to 10, 12 more good years left. And some younger people out there will say, well, those are the ones that are at the highest risk, but some of those older people want to live their lives and you know we're seeing a bit of this in the states as well where you know we canadians tend to be a little bit more compliant you know the old joke how do you get 400 canadians to go to a swimming pool you tell them to go to a swimming pool and oh okay sure it's kind of a joke not necessarily everybody feels the same way uh in the united states we're starting to see some protests a lot of you listening to the show think that those people that are protesting um uh, you know, the, the social distancing and the policies in specific states, a lot of you think those people are idiots. There are, you know, uh, there's individuals out there like an Eric, uh, Eric Weinstein would suggest that the greatest thing, and he's a, uh, a brilliant mathematician, he was on Joe Rogan a couple of weeks ago, and one of the reoccurring themes that he said is the greatest thing that the United States brought had to do with freedoms. And this has been a challenging time for everybody, and freedom is being challenged in a lot of different – and what defines it? Like some of the younger people listening to the show might say, Bob, in order for us to have greater freedom moving forward, we're going to have to suck it up in the short term. And I think there's a degree of truth to that. But at some stage here, we are going to open up. And I'm gonna tie this into hockey as we go to today's top story. It is brought to you by Grey Rock Exteriors. Mother Nature wreaks havoc on your home. Book your free, no obligation inspection today. Visit greyrockexteriors.ca. Everyone's hurting right now. That's a given. I've got some guys that say to me, stop, I'm telling you right now, there's some people under the age of 30 and they're completely comfortable of staying home, getting their money from the government, And, you know, and I'm like, I'm not buying that. I I believe that the majority of society has an incredible amount of drive. And those individuals that you're suggesting, they want to get through this like everybody else. Okay? They want to battle. Just like there's a lot of people over the age of 50 that are completely on board with the approach the government's had. What does that have to do with hockey? Well, today a report came out of Florida suggesting that the National Hockey League was uh, potentially looking at a July startup. And looking at some cities, and then that was followed up by tweets from uh, Greg Washinsky from ESPN and Emily Kaplan. Um, I sat uh, in front of Greg at the uh, NHL uh, draft last year uh, about an hour before the New Jersey Devils acquired P.K. Subban. You'd never believe who the Devils reached out to to find out whether or not Subban might be a mix or help the mix in New Jersey moving forward. Anyhow, I digress. Uh, Kaplan specifically mentioned Edmonton as one of the potential locations for a startup. We've danced around this topic. And uh, you know what? For some of you out there, you, you think that might be, why would they consider coming back in January, or sorry, January, in July and playing hockey? And for others of you, you're probably sitting there saying, at what point do we relax things a little bit, given the current state in Alberta? and even numbers can be a little bit, apparently numbers can be confusing to some. So I'll provide you with a little bit of numbers. Germany is a country with Angela Merkel, who right now are receiving a great amount of international recognition for doing a terrific job dealing with COVID-19. The province of Alberta is currently testing at a higher per capita rate than Germany. Just to put things in perspective, As of 12.20 today, Mountain Standard Time, the province of Alberta, if you go to their website, is at 109,000 tests. Alberta has 4.3 million people. BC, which has 5 million people, is at 65,000 tests. So Alberta has done 44,000 tests, despite having 700,000 fewer people. There have been over 34,000 COVID-19 tests done in Edmonton. 98.5% of them are negative. 1.5%, 446 out of those 34,000 tests done in the Edmonton zone, and this is all on the province of Alberta's website, are are positive tests, of which, according to uh, information provided yesterday, and it was not... Completely up to date, but we will tell you that as of yesterday, there was tweets going out suggesting that under a hundred people in the city of Edmonton currently had an active case of COVID-19. What does that mean? Well, it means that Alberta's tested a lot, and it means Edmonton's been probably a little bit lucky, and, and also a lot of people have been really disciplined, and we haven't seen the sort of COVID-19 pandemic challenges. That we've seen in other uh, markets in Canada, let alone the US. And I know a lot of people like to look down on Americans. Uh, I like to have fun with my broadcast partner, Jack Michaels. Of course, I've lived a partial freedom my entire life because I got a big brother that's looked over me and helped me out as well. And I, I think that there's some of you who may not love American foreign policy and Canada often gets to be the good guy, but you're not naive to the fact that nobody's really screwed with us because we've had those guys living below us for a long time. Don't ever forget that. That said, Canadian soldiers were in World War One and World War II before the Americans were. I get it. But anyways, bottom line is Edmonton is not in a bad spot, and we're going to have that conversation coming up with Brian Lawton as well as uh, John Shannon. And uh, David Staples coming up. All right, into our Oilers now, Audio Vault for Direct Workwear, where safety meets savings at Edmonton, Fort McMurray, and online at directworkwear.com. Again, we had Dave Brown on uh, yesterday, and one of the major reasons why uh, the Philadelphia Flyers were able to go seven games, Ron Hextall winning the con Smythe. Here's Brown on his former GM and on his goaltender. Oh, he's a fiery guy. He was very... Um He played with a lot of energy, a lot of intensity. He was, you know, he was a big reason why we got there. But, you know, like anybody has to have good goaltending. I mean, Fury was unbelievable for the Oilers that year, too. He could have easily won the MVP, too. But Hextall... If we didn't have him playing the way he played, we wouldn't have made it. But he was an extremely intense guy. You just left him alone and let him do it. I mean, he was ready to play all the time, and you know he he played like the Flyers liked. I mean, he played with fire and he played hard and he was tough and and he competed. I, I thought he deserved the uh, the MVP that year. He was he was unbelievable. Brendan, can I be honest as a guy hosting a show called Oilers now? Go ahead. I never liked Ron Hextall. <laughs> I gotta be honest with you. I was. I mean, he. I loved it when he fought Felix Potvin, and Potvin opened him up in the fight. Uh, you know, he took the swing at uh, Kent Nielsen, and. I, I, you know, he had over 100 penalty minutes one year in the Western Hall. I mean, he
1: was a nasty
0: piece of business,
1: right? And see, from outside of the Oilers' perspective, those are all the reasons that my dad loved Ron Hextall. And therefore, that's sort of what I grew up understanding of Ron Hextall was, was the reasons that the Oilers' nation would hate him. Well, he was good early in his
0: career. It didn't sustain itself. He was average to good. He was certainly not on the level. Hist- it's funny with Grant Fear because Dominic Hashik has way better historical numbers, but the game completely changed and was, you know, far less open during Hashik's time than it was uh, during Grant Fear's time. And you, you got to factor in age. It's just like you got to factor in age when it comes to enforcers. Like a guy fighting, uh, you know, a, a 24, 25-year-old 24 24, guy becoming fighting into his prime, fighting a guy 33, 34 that doesn't really want to do the job anymore, sometimes you get a more positive result when you're at that age. Don't ever forget, though, Brendan. I'm always going to have the fire, brother. All right. Uh, today is the WHL Bantam Draft. The Edmonton Oil Kings have made the pick. Kurt Hill... Uh, we're going to get to a clip as we go back in our orders Now audio vault for Direct work Where we're safety means savings in Edmonton, Fort McMurray, and online at DirectWorkwear Kurt Hill, Oil Kings GM, had this to say on the approach to today's WHL Bantam draft.
1: We feel we have a lot of picks this year. We 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 don't have a second or a third. We have our we have our first pick. We moved that third in the Alexander deal, so now we have two fourths. But it's uh, the one thing that we take into consideration was this year in the U.S. draft, we had the third overall pick, which uh, you know was a very high pick in that draft which almost acts as like a second round pick in the uh canadian draft so uh, you know we still feel like we have a lot of picks this year um i don't know if we're going to find another deal uh, before the before 10, 10 a.m tomorrow but never say never there seems to be lots of conversation and uh, the one thing with uh, with the 20 year olds is when deals come along you have to you have to really consider them because sometimes if you wait too long you end up uh, having a free agent on your hands and like we did last year with Miskew.
0: all right uh, that's kurt hill uh it 29 seconds time, Kurt Hill's going to tell you who the oil kings took. A quick text from the chiseler down in Vegas. Bob, U.S. protesters are a joke. Protesters in Kentucky protested a week long, and COVID cases jumped to nearly 300 there in one day. Brutal. I digress, Bob. I hated Hemsky back in the day, and I think I'd still ask him to go today. And another uh, American uh, texter to the show, our friend Val from the high desert of northeast Colorado says, Bob, you only didn't like Hextall. Bob, I was never that charitable. In other words, he didn't really like him at all. Let's get to NHL today. It's brought to you by Elite Promotional Marketing, building tailored branded programs where your order is done on time every time at Elite Promotional Marketing In here at the 630 Gen Studios, Brendan Escott.
1: Well, the Bantam Draft started just after 10 o'clock this morning, exactly as we expected it to. The Regina Pats using their first overall pick on the first player ever. Granted exceptional status into the league, North Vancouver's Connor Bedard, who had an outlandish 43-goal 84 points in just 36 games playing midget prep hockey in West Vancouver. The Edmonton Oil Kings selected 20th overall and landed Medicine Hat's Dawson Sights, who had a goal per game, uh, seven goals, seven games, and an injury-shortened season last year. But he is a six-foot-one, 160-pound right-shot centerman. We know how coveted those are. Prior to that, Edmonton product Cole Miller was taken by Lethbridge 16th overall out of the Knights of Columbus program, Northern Alberta. It Extreme defenseman, uh, Sage Weinstein, went 18th to Spokane as well. And Sherwood Park Crusader captain Arjun Atwal named a finalist for CJHL Most Valuable Player this year. He led the Crusaders to a North Division best 49-9 record, won the scoring title 107 points in just 54 games for Atwal. He's up against four other Junior A standouts from across the country. Where is he going to go to school? Do you know? Mom is still the word. Uh, my understanding was CIS or now U-Sports, I guess, was the most likely route, but no concrete no, but which, answers. Which school,
0: I tell you what, find out which school he's going to go to. Go call Kyle up and find out where he's going to go to school, okay? I'd be interested to know. We will uh, head off to a global news, weather, traffic update, more ongoing coverage of COVID-19 pandemic with Eileen Bell. Come back with Brian Lawton on orders now.